we hold that there's one baptism of the Holy Spirit, but many fillings during your lifetime. As a believer, there's going to be times where the Holy Spirit is going to give you that extra power. He's going to give you that feeling where you know beyond any shadow of a doubt it's the Holy Spirit driving your life. And then there's other times where maybe we haven't been walking as close to God as we should have been, and we began to feel like the power of the Holy Spirit's lacking in our lives. So we're going to look at the gift that Jesus Christ promised, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the effect that it had, and what does that really mean for us today? I do ask for your prayers. Today is the first time I'm ever going to try to do notes electronically. <laughs> As you know, Pastor John is quite comfortable with an iPad. My idea of a pocket organizer is a folded piece of paper with the to-do list in my pocket. Uh, that, that's kind of my feeling. There's something else about this church. One of the things that we decided right off when we talked about before we ever started was that this would be a sending church. There would be a church that's going to send out people with the gospel. Another thing we decided right off the bat is that this church was going to be a place where everyone, everyone can find a place to serve. That was one of the things we really wanted. Now, yesterday or this week, I made a plan. Saturday morning, I was going to stop by and pick up an aquarium, a small aquarium, had it in stock, and I forgot it's a holiday. So yesterday, I quickly put this together out of some plexiglass that I had. After putting it together, I read the directions on the glue, and it says drying time, three to five days. <clears throat> um, we haven't been quite um, 12 hours. So this is an awesome opportunity for somebody to serve because it is slowly leaking water out of the bottom. <laughs> It's beyond just the service of getting a towel. I need somebody that would actually take the tank out for me and empty it. So, okay, I've got one volunteer. Thank you. <laughs> Can I get another? Because I think it's going to take two people. So, thank you, Nathan. Uh, thank you so much. Um, and I can use a third person. If someone would get a towel to wipe this up, I would greatly appreciate it. And then we can move the table before it drips onto the floor. This was one of the things we've talked about over and over, was even if someone doesn't agree with us theologically, even if someone's not technically a member, they're going to find a place of service. And that's one of the things we really want for our church. Yeah, it left a little dribble, but not bad. This morning, we're going to look at the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And as I wait for the phone to come up, <laughs> I should have already had that control button pushed. For the reading of the scripture, am I controlling it or are you? 
You've, you've got the reading of the scripture. Okay. Acts chapter 2, and we really like you to, if you've got electronic Bible, turn it on. You know, it used to be you turn in your Bible to something. Now you turn on your Bible to a passage. If you've got uh, paper Bible, which is still my favorite, uh, turn to Acts chapter 2. Uh, and beginning with verse 1, and we're going to read the first 13 verses. Now, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Uh, Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, uh, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, I actually practiced that one, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Ar um, Arabians, we hear them in our own tongues, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. Heavenly Father, together we have read your word. We ask that you speak to us through your word. Show us what you have for us today. Amen. Now, do I have control? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> all right. Um, it takes a little time. I don't know if you all noticed, we've got a lot of new stuff happening here. did. <laughs> I pressed the control button. And I'm not, I don't have control. I have lost control. <laughs> okay, Ishvan is our tech person. And this poor guy, he gets messages from me like at 10 o'clock at night saying, hey, this isn't working. What's going on? <laughs> I closed it. And I reopened it. And it just, it just doesn't like me. <laughs> Yesterday, it worked.
Okay, you just run them from back there. You just have to follow along. <coughs> so it says slide change error. So hit OK to confirm. To confirm what? I don't know. All right, if you'll go to there. The arrival, the picture has arrived. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he had given them the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he told them to go back to Jerusalem and wait. And it would come. It was the gift that, that he had promised ahead of time. It was uh, uh, John the Baptist had even given the prophecy saying that uh, the, the Messiah was going to baptize with fire. And all of this was coming. And they'd been sitting there for 10 days waiting. And it came on the holiday of Pentecost. Penta means 50. And it was, the ho it was a, a Jewish holiday 50 days after Passover. During Passover, you had the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so they had to eat something that was more like chewing on a rock rather than nice, soft bread. That's just what they had. It was so hard, they had to soak it into wine or vinegar or something just to get it soft enough to eat. But then they had the, the seven days of that. Then they had the uh, um, Hushvik, Passover. They had Passover. <laughs> and they came, sorry. They had the Passover uh, service that, that came, and uh, they would then on the day after Passover, they would do a first fruits offering. They would take grain from the field and they would go and they would hold it up, praising God because they knew a harvest was coming. And 50 days later, they were going to give another celebration. And this was done with the leavened bread. This was another special holiday, thanking God for his bounty. And all the events of Christ's life corresponded with those Old Testament uh, holidays and all of those celebrations. And here is the Jewish celebration, and many of the foreigners, or the, the foreigners, excuse me, many of the people that didn't live there, they would come in and they would celebrate Passover and they would stay through Pentecost. So they were there. When they came in for the holiday, they stayed for two months. I mean, move over, the, the relatives are coming to stay for a while. So they were there for a couple, uh, probably a couple months, because they had to be at least 50 days, plus a few days for preparation and getting everything ready. So on Pentecost, they're all together. It's a holiday. They weren't allowed to walk very far. They had to be together just by the Jewish law, and they're all there. We don't know exactly how many. It says all of them. There were about 120 when Peter stood up and said, we need somebody to replace Matthias. And so we think it's about 120 people somewhere in that ballpark. This was the church. That was, they were all gathered together in one place. Then suddenly... Next slide. Then suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were setting. 
I kind of think I may not have changed this from NIV. I may still be doing NIV instead of ESV. If so, there may be a couple words that's different. The message is the same. They were sitting there waiting. It was an active waiting. It was They were anticipating. And when God moved, when it was time, it wasn't a slow trickle of the sound. It was sudden. It just hit. And it was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It doesn't say it was a wind. It was a sound like a wind. Now, if you've ever been in a really strong windstorm and you hear that blowing sound, that rushing sound, it's filling the whole house. If you've ever been in a tornado, one of the things that you'll hear people say over and over, it sounded like a freight train was coming through. It is very loud. It is so loud that it begins to shake the room. Uh, one of Carolyn's brothers worked for a radio station uh, has, you know, before he went off to college, but he loves music, and he has a music room with speakers everywhere, and he sits in his chair and just listens to music. The first time, he said, check out this surround sound, and it's a recording of a jet plane flying over, and he was in an apartment building, and he starts cranking it up, and from that noise, the entire apartment complex began to shake. And he said, i got to turn it down before the neighbors figure out where that noise is coming from. But sound can do that. It shakes the whole house. It has filled the entire house where they're at. Now, they're probably in a big room. The upper room could hold at least 120 people. I mean, they, were, they had a, a, a good-sized place, but... It wasn't just a single room. It filled the entire house where they were. The entire building is filled with this sound of the rushing wind. And then comes the fire. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Again, it doesn't say it was literal fire. A tongue as fire, as of fire. That's what it looked like to them, and that's how the authors could describe it. It looked like fire was coming, and the, the, these look like giant tongues of fire are coming, and they divide, and it rested on one or two of them. <laughs> no. I'm glad I got a verbal no on that one. No, it rested on each one of them, every single one of them. And I don't know exactly how it happened. How do you have fire come and rest on you? To me, that doesn't sound very restful, but if you just think about it, here it comes, and it's on each and every person. They're in the house. It has been shaking. Here comes these tongues of fire. It's resting on each one of them. They are immersed in this entire situation. I bet you you had some high heart rate at that time. <laughs> Think about it. 
What if you were there? These were real people. These were average, average, everyday people. These were fishermen. These were people who worked for a living. There was not a professional clergy among them. You had some political activists. You had some people helping the enemy. You, you had working day, everyday fishermen who went out and caught fish and sold them. They're everyday people. And here comes the Holy Spirit and rests on each one of them. And we go on, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled. They're totally in this house. It's shaking. Here comes the tongues of fire. They're immersed in the situation. And the Holy Spirit didn't stop there. He just moved right on inside. <laughs> just like, whoa. Here comes the Holy Spirit. And each person is filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in languages that they didn't speak. They began to talk in these other tongues. As the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, the Holy Spirit's guiding them, the Holy Spirit's leading them, they're talking, and it's a different language. That was something no one, no one had ever seen before. It was new. It was completely new. Nobody had experienced that. We see in the Old Testament where the prophets prophesied. We saw in the Old Testament where they said words in a language, in their, their language that people understood that the prophet didn't know and didn't have control of what he was saying. But this was something different. It's happening to them, and the Holy Spirit is giving them this speech. So I want to look at how this Holy Spirit is manifested. I want to look a little more, next slide, at the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. First thing I want to look at is that the, the uh, believers spoke in understandable languages. I actually read on a church website, when it's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, it says there is no indication that this was another human language. And I read this passage, I read this verse, it's like, hey, how could it not be? Look again at verse 5 and 6. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under, the, under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. The Holy Spirit's moving. The apostles, the church, it's not just the 12. We're talking about somewhere around 120. They're talking. And people are hearing another language. Verse 6, each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They're from all over the place. They asked, verse 8, 
then how is it each of us hears them in our own native language? It wasn't just a language they understood. It wasn't like, okay, these guys are speaking Greek, everybody speaks Greek. It wasn't a trade language like English where, for, okay, for some of us it's our mother tongue. For some of you it's your second language. Okay, for some of you it's your fifth or sixth or seventh language. It wasn't the trade language. They are saying it's our native language. It's the heart language. Nothing will ever speak to your heart like your mother tongue. And I love that phrase, mother tongue, because it's the language that the mother uses with the baby. And your emotions will be tied to your heart language, your mother tongue, more than any other language. No matter how long you stay somewhere else, no matter if you move somewhere, no longer how long, it doesn't matter how long you may speak another language, the mother tongue will always speak to your heart. God is speaking through the church in the heart language to the people. Now, I need to throw in a note right here. We do not know when they left the house. In verse 1 and 2, they're in the house. It says they're in the house. They're inside. It said the Spirit came and it filled the entire house where they were. That's verse 2. So they're in the house, verse 1 and 2. Verses 3 and 4, well, we're not sure. We think they're still in the house. But if you heard that sound in your house, what would you do? I would probably run out of the house. Uh, that could have been. We don't know. We do not know when they left the house. Was it before the tongues of fire rested upon them? Was it during that process or right after? But what we do know in verse 5 and following, they're outside where Peter can proclaim and explain to the people what's going on. There's a huge crowd there. It's a big enough crowd that 3,000 are going to believe his message. So I don't think they're inside the house. That would be a really big house. Um, that was even too many people that fit in the, the, the temple area where the church would later meet. That was, that was just a lot of people. Peter's in the middle of a lot of people when he delivers his message. So somewhere in that point, they went outside and began to um, talk with the people, and the people are hearing the language, their heart language being spoken by these men who didn't speak it. They're all from Galilee, and Galileans weren't known for speaking multiple languages. You know, they were working class, nothing I mean, nothing good came from Nazareth. You know, that was one of the things that, that uh, the early apostles thought. How could Jesus be the Messiah? These are working, everyday people from Galilee 
and their species languages from all over. I don't know what's going on, Esau. I keep getting a message, slight error. So let's look at the reaction of the people. Uh, we're also going to be looking at the reaction of Peter later on. The people, people were amazed. This created amazement. It says they were bewildered. Um, that may be staying over from the, uh, from the NIV before I switch to ESV. What does bewilderment, what is it? What does it mean? You ever thought about that? It's like confused. You can't figure out what's going on. You're lost in a forest, and it's like there's so much happening. Have you ever been in a really stressful situation, and you needed to do something, and so much is happening? You can't think, what, what do you need to do? What, what's the next thing? And you get that loss, and you just, it's, that's the bewilderment. It's just too much. But this has the idea of excitement. It's so exciting, but they can't figure it out. They're confused. It says they're, they were amazed or astonished is what the ESV says. They, they, they were like, what's happening? What's going on? The people are standing out there. Nobody's ever seen this before. It's totally new. They were perplexed. It's another term. They can't figure it out. What is going on? First thing it did, it created this amazement. Verse 6 was, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one, was, each one heard in their own language being spoken. Verse 7, I guess I think I am still quick quoting the NIV. They were utterly amazed or astonished. They were, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then again, verse 12, they were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Three different times in just a few verses, it talks about the amazement, the reaction of the people. They're trying to figure out what's happening they're confused. They don't know. If you saw that on the street, how would you feel? What would you think? You would wonder what is going on. That was one of the things that people did. It created amazement. Then it made people wonder what was happening. It got people to thinking, what's happening? This is something different. This is something going on. But it went further than that. They're just, they're, they're thinking that. It's creating this wonder. But then it actually made them ask questions. They began to ask out loud what was going on. Again, look at verse 7. Aren't these, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? They're physically, they're, they're asking. It's no longer just thinking it. They're asking out loud, 
And they're asking each other. They're expressing this question to one another. Aren't these all Galileans? How are we hearing them? How are they speaking our language? They begin to ask. They go on. How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Aren't these all Galileans? How is this happening? They're asking, and they're asking it in the plural. Our native language. They're talking about it with each other. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Again, verse 12, and I love this question. I love this question. What does this mean? Man, what an opportunity for explanation. We'll get into that next week, but man, what an opportunity. The people are asking that question. That's their reaction. They're trying to figure it out. But you know something else it did? Oh, excuse me, before I go on to that, I want us to go to the next slide. Questioning evangelism. I'm going to throw a plug in here for some training we're going to have. We don't know when. But this is one of my favorite to do. Don't tell people the gospel. You start asking them questions about what they believe. You start asking the right questions, then they'll start asking themselves the right questions. And that is what's happening. The people are asking themselves, what does it mean? That was one of Jesus' favorite ways to teach, was to ask questions. They would come to him with a question, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is eternal? He says, you read the scriptures. What do you think they say? <laughs> Jesus did that all the time. It, when people would come to him with a question, he would ask a question to make them think differently. And that's something that we as a church want to make sure we're not just talking to people and trying to tell them something, but we're asking them so that we get to know where they are spiritually. But we start asking questions to make people think in different ways. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to get to teach that. For me, that's one of my favorite. Carolyn and I get to do this from time to time, and I absolutely love it. It will be coming. Stick with us. We're growing, and we're equipping, and it's coming. So we go on. It created amazement. That was one thing. It made people wonder what was happening, and it made them ask questions. It did a fourth thing. It also created misunderstanding. I had a professor that um, he was an engineer before he went into the ministry. And I love taking his classes because he approached everything like an engineer. He logically thought out stuff. He would logically think through passages. He would logically discuss things with people and he made a statement one day he said anytime two human beings speak with each other there's always a language barrier think about it. even speaking in your mother tongue you say something they say something you say something back they say something and you're not communicating 
you're misunderstanding. And then the next day when something's not done, but I thought you said you were going to do it. No, you said this. Well, I said this, but I replied with this. It doesn't matter if it's your own mother tongue. There's going to be misunderstanding anytime two human beings communicate. It just happens. That's called life. It's called being human. It happens. These people who are standing around watching me, they're trying to understand. And in verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Now, I was just talking about my professor that approach things like an engineer, logically. Logically, how intelligent is that statement? Okay, a Greek guy goes out, gets drunk, and he suddenly starts speaking Arabic? <laughs> does, does that happen? <laughs> we were taking a Hungarian class one time. It's one of those intensive classes. You know, every time I talk about my Hungarian class, I do this. Right now, I'm going through a refresher course, and I walk out of there just an hour and a half. I'm, I'm wiped out. But we take this intensive class, and they take us on a field trip, and they're teaching us about Hungarian culture. And we go to a town called Tokai. It's known for its wine. And so they take us to the wine tasting in the evening, and there's five types. There are five glasses of wine through that dinner. And uh, we kept ours filled with uh, uh, mineral water so they wouldn't fill it up because they didn't ask you. They just put the next one in. Next day in class, the, one of the students was explaining what happened. And it got kind of interesting. At one point, I'm sitting next to a guy who's making bad comments about the country the lady on the other side is about. And people began to kind of lose their, um, their restraint. And the next day in class, teacher asked, well, when you started drinking a lot, did you start speaking better Hungarian? One of the students answered, no, it wasn't any better, but it sure got louder. Um, it tends to get loud. When people get drunk, do they speak clearly? No, just the opposite. They begin to slur their speech. So logically, how could you think they're speaking different languages because they're drunk? They've had too much wine. But remember, from the, nobody, 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 ever seen this before. No one. The believers had not. Those that were there, they had not. And they're just trying to think, how could this be? And there's some people, the only explanation they could come up with is people get drunk, they must be drunk. People talk funny when they get drunk. They're talking in other languages. So something's going on. They're trying to explain it away the best that they could. Now, as they're speaking in tongues, I want to talk a little bit about the purpose of the speaking in tongues. First thing 
It was to declare the wonders of God. That was what it was about. That was the people, they, they said, you know, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, or our own languages. That was the purpose. The purpose was that they would hear about God and what God was doing. That was the point of them, this, this whole thing happening the way it did. Now, there were people from all over the known world that were there for, excuse me, I'm sorry, I keep looking around. I keep getting a pop-up error here. So. People from all over the known world were there. And I say known world, the Roman Empire, basically, what had been the Roman Empire. They're from all over the place. We read that whole list of nations. And it didn't matter where they came from, they're hearing the wondrous things of God. That's why they're there. Look at that map. I don't know how accurate that map really is. Uh, look at all these people from everywhere. They're coming into Jerusalem for the holidays. They're gathered. How many different languages are being spoken in Jerusalem at the time. How many mother tongues are there? Well, it gave us a long list. There's a bunch of them. There are people from all over, and what are they hearing? They're hearing about what God was doing. They're hearing the wondrous things of God in their mother tongue. Not in the trade language of the day, not in second language or third language, fourth language. They're hearing it in their own language. Keep going. And one more. There was something else. This was a sign God was doing something different. This was a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It was showing believers and unbelievers, was showing the church and those outside the church at the same time, God's doing something different. They had never seen it before. God's making a change in how he's working in the world. He's making a change. If you read through the Bible, you see at different times God made changes was began to work in different ways. We see with the calling of Abraham is one of them. When Abraham was called, it was a new people that was being formed. When he gave them the law, it was a new way of relating to the people that they had specific things they needed to do to approach God. We see You can see that happening. In the coming of Christ, there was the message of the Messiah and here is a turning point. He says, God's doing something different. He's changing how he's working in the world. And it was a physical sign. There was something else that happened. Because of this, people took the gospel back with them when they went home. We don't know where all. We don't know all of the results. Scripture doesn't tell us. We do know from reading on in the book of Acts, there were 
pockets of believers believed in Jesus Christ but didn't have the whole message. Uh, there were 12 people in Ephesus that Paul found. And he said, well, had, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard if there's a Holy Spirit. They were followers of Jesus, but they didn't have the whole message. And they had only been baptized in the baptism of John. And he says, oh, you have to be baptized in Jesus Christ. And so we know from reading that there's these pockets of believers that were scattered around. I personally think that's part of how Christianity exploded so quickly across the map in the first century. You realize in about 30 years' time, it went from Jerusalem all across Europe. It swept across the continent. Um, there's evidence, archaeological evidence, it even reached into England what is now England, through the Roman Empire, that it spread so quickly. And I think part of it is just all these thousands of people from Pentecost that heard the message. They weren't fully discipled yet, but they went out, and when the apostles began to go, they found these pockets of people and began to teach them and lead them. They were spreading the gospel and Christ and God is building up the church, getting ready for rapid expansion. But what's the application for us today? What's the application for our church? Number one, I love this. Boy, this hit me, I, I don't know, for some reason this week, this hit me just afresh. The church started as an international, multi-ethnic congregation. <laughs> That's where it started. That's where we were when it, when it began. It was an international, multi-ethnic congregation, and people spoke a lot of different languages. I think discipleship got just kind of hard maybe there in Jerusalem for a while. Uh, we're going to experience some of the same struggles. It's going to come. It happened in the first church. It's going to happen with us. But isn't it amazing that we're like, when we're getting our start, it's starting. It's like the first church, international, multi-ethnic congregation. I love that. Something else. People from around the world heard the wonders of God. That was people all over. They're hearing about God, and that's what we want for our church. We, that's our dream. And I mean that not just that it's a dream out there. It's like when we envision all the possibilities, we see the gospel spreading around the globe. We may be starting in Deborah's Bend, but we know from here the gospel's going to flow out around the world. And something else, we see it's going to be developing more. People will be equipped to effectively spread the gospel. Sometimes how you share the message makes a huge difference. Is it time to ask a question? Is it a time to live, listen, or is it a time to tell? It takes some discernment. But our dream is, as 
But just as these people took the gospel back with them, that wherever you go, wherever you go, whether it's back home to another country, if you stay here, it doesn't matter. You will be effective at sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to come to the last question. What does this mean to you? Now, this is where I put the phone away because I can't tell you what it means to you. 